Will you pray with me? Holy friend, we thank you for calling us to find a quiet center, a place to root ourselves down in you so that we might abide with you even when we wonder, are you leading us? Are you with us? For the stories and conversations of our ancestors in faith with you who show us we don't always get what we ask for, but we get what we need. We thank you. And so abide with us as we meditate on your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> Moses said, show me your glory. And God answered, see, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. After a dialogue with God that most of us can only dream about in its openness and honesty, Moses has one last request of God. Show me your glory. You who knows me so well and who is pleased with me, show me the essence that is you. Moses wants this blessing of totally experiencing God's presence. And in this encounter with God, we see a snapshot, I think, of the deepest longings of the human heart. To know God like God knows us. And the tension that inevitably follows because we can't fully know God the way God fully knows us. So we seek to resolve this tension that we experience with God, this God who comes to us in forms we can recognize in each other, in creation, but is still only just forms, images of God, reflections of God to the world in what the Apostle Paul calls this time of seeing dimly through a dusty mirror. We want to clean that mirror up to resolve the tension, to see clearly, once and for all, this God who claims us and knows us better than we know ourselves. But really, we're called to live in the tension, to not clean it up, because I don't think it can get cleaned up this side of eternity. This is a tension that characterizes life with God, abiding in relationship 
even when there's some part of God that's always hidden, always hidden from view, even as God sees us from every angle, inhabits our entire being, calls us by our true names. Even when we ache that that glory we desperately seek arrives in glimpses, quick little flashes of recognition that we get it and it's gone, or we sense that sometimes we've just missed it, that we've only seen the backside of something glorious. It's a pull, a tension, an ache that we're called to live into, even when it squeezes us in tight spaces of faith and doubt, belief and unbelief. So the image of a cleft in the rock has stuck with me this week. There's this rock that God tells Moses, go stand on top of it in order to prepare yourself for my passing by. This rock where God reveals as much holiness as Moses can handle is right next to God. And Moses has to go stand on it, has to take courage to stand on this rock where there's no cleft yet. It's a smooth surface, unbroken, but Moses has to claim his part in requesting to witness that glory. He must go put himself in the place where he will see it. God cannot do that for him. And so after all his talk about needing to know God's plans, that sounds familiar, and pressing God to assure him umpteen times that he will not be left alone to lead these people, God gives Moses the divine response. Not in more words, not in more talk, but in action. As if to say, by saying, go stand on this rock, show me that you've come this far by faith. So now stand here and let me show you what I mean when I tell you my presence will go with you and give you peace give you victory, give you rest, give you shalom. So on this rock, in this place of total exposure, complete vulnerability to the all-full, holy otherness of the Lord, whose name is I am who I am, Moses chooses to make himself vulnerable in order for God to make him safe and make him safe God does the word in English for this space or opening made in the rock is a cleft a space made by cleaving the tearing or rending of an object with force such as splitting fire firewood um, but the word cleave interestingly also means to cling tightly and to bond. Depending on your context, it can mean to split or to cling. And so standing with Moses in the cleft of the rock, this space made by God's cleaving, watching God's brilliance back fade into the distance, it's easy to feel both the tension in this paradoxical word, cleave, how it can mean to rend, 
as well as to cling. You know that cleft, that cleaving in our own selves, the tension that's inherent in the process of finding oneself in a space of safety that comes, I think, only, I could be wrong, but only after experiencing vulnerability first. I think about my friend Emily, who gave birth on Friday night to her second daughter, Essie, and how this child will grow up in a beautiful and broken world with this paradox of vulnerable safety in the arms and love of her family, even as they live into that paradox themselves as children of God, working to make this world a better place. I think about the work of covenanting to love and cherish and respect that couples do in marriage, pledging to care for and hold the other in a sacred trust of intimacy or into me see. That's both a haven of safety and a practice daily of vulnerability. And I think about the process that trans and queer folks go through to claim their true identity, being faithful to what is genuine in themselves, rather than the sociocultural gender norms, expressions, and expectations. And you may know others in your own life, that tension of being in a cleft, a space made by splitting in order to cling to something greater. We know those moments that come sometimes simultaneously of both the aching, hollow feeling God's presence moving away from us and the inexplicable joy of that distance being dissolved by God's cleaving nearness. Reflecting on these moments, Methodist pastor and poet Jan Richardson wonders how can we abide what God reveals to us and what God chooses to conceal. I thought about her question a lot this week. And so I think we abide through a hope that is scrappy, a faith that is gritty and a little bit banged up because it's been with us on a daily basis. We use it to pilot us through the brokenness and sadness we hold and witness in the world. But it's a hope and faith refined by practicing vulnerability and strengthened in the safety of God's assured presence. We abide by reaching back into the larger biblical story about the creator calling all creation very good and reaching forward into the particular story of Jesus as God's beloved showing us in action and word that we, too, are God's beloved. We abide in the clefts created from mercy and compassion, receiving the glimpses of glory that God chooses to reveal each and every day, even as we cleave to that same merciful and compassionate God who loves us and abides with us in that tension. So even when God hides God's face from us, showing us only the backside of goodness, 
May God grant us glimpses of what we can abide, filtering the holy presence through one another in creation, through solar eclipses and nights blanketed with stars, through sunrises and sunsets, through births and deaths, through coming outs and inviting ends. So that in what we do see, however brief, in what we experience, however vulnerable it makes us, may we know in the cleaving God's blessing. May we be unafraid to turn toward the blessing that binds itself to us even in the rending, this blessing that unhinges us even as it makes us whole. May it be so. And God's people said, Amen.